0: today, for our sermon time today, we're actually going to be talking about uh, judging other people, judging other people, and um, this is a really hard word for us, this is a hard teaching in the scripture, it's something that all of us have dealt with or struggled with at one time or another, thanks, um, <laughs> you could applause, good job, uh, <laughs> we've all felt judged by somebody else, right, we've all felt judged by somebody Think back for a second, if you can, the very first time someone judged you and you knew it. Maybe it was back uh, in grade school on the playground, and you walked out, and you got a new shirt. You're so proud, and someone sized you up and down and judged you because of what you were wearing or what you looked like or who your friends were. Maybe you made it all the way to middle school, but you're not going to get out of middle school without someone judging you because of something stupid you said or did or the way you looked at somebody or the way you breathe. I don't know. Middle school is just really... It's just a really tough place. It gets real judgy. And at first, the first time someone judged you, you thought, oh, my gosh, that hurts, right? It hurts our feelings. I don't like being judged. But then you found a way to deal with that feeling. You could judge somebody else. And it made you feel better about yourself to judge someone who maybe was a step down from you. Made you feel better. And then a few years go by, and here we all are together, teenagers and adults all in this room. And, uh, well, we're pretty judgmental most of us. It's not totally your fault. You picked up the behavior as a kid. It was how you survived. But like a lot of bad behaviors that we learned when we were young, this one really, really sticks for us as adults. If anything, I think we get better at it the older we get. And then we come here to church, and we know you and I that as Christians, we aren't supposed to judge people. We're not supposed to judge people But if you talk to people outside of the church and you say, hey, what do you think of Christians? Yeah, what are some words that they use? There's one that begins with an H. Anybody know? That's right. Hypocrite. Hypocrite. That comes up a lot. They say Christians are hypocrites. We have a bad rap of being people who are judgmental, who judge other people for the sin in their life while ignoring all the sin in our own. But we're good people, right? We're good people. We don't judge people who sin. We judge people who sin differently than we do. Now think about that for a second, because if that didn't hurt you a little, you weren't paying attention. We don't judge other people's sin. We judge people who sin differently than we do. And it's really, it's really dangerous, because you might not even realize that you're doing it. You aren't being judgmental. We aren't being judgmental. We are just concerned Christians. We're not judgmental, we're concerned. We look at what somebody else is doing and we are concerned for them. We're not judging them. We pick a scripture that we've found and we think it's probably in the Bible and we apply it to their behavior, sometimes incorrectly, and we express our worry for them, our concern for going against what God teaches. We just want what's best for them. We say things like, bless her heart. Because it's not something we struggle with. We can assure ourselves that we are righteous by comparison, which would be just fine, all of that, if that's who Jesus was. We're going to continue our study today in the Gospel of John. And again this week, we'll be asking the question, who is Jesus? So let's look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8 starts in verse 2, our scripture. It says, early in the morning, he, that's Jesus, came again to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and began to teach him. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and making her stand before all of them. They said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And they said this to test him so that they might have some charge to bring against him. All right, scribes and Pharisees, we know they're these super religious leaders in the town. They know the law better than anybody, and they really don't like Jesus, partly because he is always breaking the rules. So they bring, drag this woman in who had been caught in adultery. And before we go farther, it is worth noting that adultery takes two people. This is a two-person sin. It absolutely requires two. And from everything I can tell, they just brought in her. Back to the scripture. But they think that they have Jesus trapped. They think they have him trapped. They demand he makes a decision. On the one hand, if he offers her mercy, he goes against the law of Moses. On the other hand, if he says to stone her, he contradicts all his teaching about love and forgiveness of sin. Let's look at what happens next. Jesus bent down and he wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone who is without sin... Be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and he wrote on the ground. All right, first question. What did he write on the ground? The short answer is we don't know because the story doesn't tell us. But there has been, as you can imagine, a lot of speculation in the Bible commentaries about what Jesus wrote on the ground based on how the religious leaders respond. They've got some ideas. One theory is that he reached down, and when he wrote the first time, he just starts writing the laws. And this would not have fazed the religious leaders, because they knew the law, and so they keep questioning him. But the second time, he writes their names. Maybe he writes their names next to specific laws that they might have broken. I want you to imagine you're talking to someone, and they bend down and write in front of you, do not covet your neighbor's husband or wife, You'd say, okay, then they add a comma, then they add your name. Now it feels personal. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, John. Yeah, that hits different, doesn't it? Like suddenly this is about you and your sin. So whatever he wrote on the ground, when he combined it with the invitation to throw the first stone, if they were without sin, the situation shifts. It says this in the scripture, When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to him, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. That sir could also be translated Lord. No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go on your way, and from now on, do not sin again. All right, so our religious folks, the Pharisees, the scribes, realizing that none of them were without sin, they walk away. And Jesus, left with the woman, does two things. First, he offers her grace. He says, neither do I condemn you. And second, he sends her out to live differently. He says, "Go on, go now, from now on, do not sin again. All right, so the Pharisees were in no position to judge her. But Jesus is. Jesus had every right to throw the first stone. He was perfect. He was fully without sin, but he doesn't condemn the woman. He sees it for what it is, and we miss this. Adultery is a sin, no question. Jesus doesn't deny that but he doesn't condemn her. He does not condone the sin, but he doesn't condemn her either. He sees the sin, he offers her grace, and then he challenges her to live her life differently. That's what repentance looks like with Jesus and us too, by the way. We see our sin, we experience God's grace, and then that last piece of repentance, we turn around and go in a different direction. We try to live differently. So we go to the Gospel of John, and we ask again our question, who is Jesus? Jesus is both our judge and our savior. Jesus is both our judge and our savior. Only Jesus, who is the perfect son of God, could have thrown that first stone and can judge our sin. And only Jesus, who took all of our sin to the cross, can forgive us and offer us a second chance. Jesus is both judge and savior. And now listen, if you're not paying attention, listen to one part. You are neither. You are neither. Jesus is the only judge and the only savior. You are neither. James 4.12 says there is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. So who then are you to judge your neighbor? You are not the judge. Matthew 7, Jesus teaches about this. He says, do not judge so that you may not be judged, for with the judgment you make, you will be judged. If that doesn't scare you, again, you're not listening. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. There's that word again. You are not the judge because you are not Jesus. And you're not perfect. You have your own sin to deal with. And if you're so busy looking for how everybody else might be falling into sin, you'll miss the sin in your own life. I know, I know it is so much more fun. To look for other people's sin. And boy, is it fun to get together with someone close to you and talk about it. It's much more fun to do that than to look at your own sin. Makes us feel better. But you are not the judge. Jesus is. And Jesus wants you to see the log in your own eye. Now, Jesus doesn't go looking around for your sin to make himself feel better. He doesn't need to do that. Jesus isn't the Pharisee who's just hoping you mess up so he can drag you into court. Only Jesus is both judge and savior. Jesus judges your sin because he wants you to be free from it. That's the whole reason. Only Jesus can both see the sin in your life and also free you from it. But there's one more verse in this passage from Matthew, and here's where it gets complicated. You ready? It says this. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Now, wait, wait, wait. Take the speck out of your neighbor's eye? That sounds a little like judging them, doesn't it? How do we do that? Maybe we're supposed to have that righteous concern for what other people are doing. But we don't want to be those judgy hypocrites. We want to think, you know what, who cares what someone else does? Just mind your own business. What are we supposed to do? We aren't the judge. Only Jesus is. So we aren't supposed to judge what other people say and do. We also aren't the Savior. Only Jesus is. So we can't save them from their sin. But you are called to do one thing, and that's what this last verse is talking about. You are called to love. Jesus didn't save you from your sin so you could sit at home happy and righteous and free and wait for either Jesus to come back or you to go to glory. That's not what it was all about. You are sent out as saved people to love other people. So how do we know the difference between judgment and love? How do we know if we're judging somebody or loving them? All right, let's think about it. There is some log of sin in your eye. Everybody's got one. There's a log of sin in your life. There's some sin that's really got a hold of you. And some of you are thinking, and let's be honest, some of you might be thinking, you know, I don't know that I have a log in my eye. That just means it's there right now and you can't see it. (laughs) Maybe you've been walking around with a big log in your eye, but as long as you cover it like this, it's fine. I'm fine. I'm doing just fine. I look like a pirate, but I'm fine. No, everyone's got a log of sin in your eye. There's been some sin in your life. And if you've asked God to help you, maybe God's working on you about that. You still aren't perfect. You're not where you'd like to be. But you can feel that God is changing you. Maybe you feel a little more free from it than you did. Maybe you've learned some things along the way about yourself, about where it came from. But then one day you see someone in your life who you love and care about, and you notice there is a speck in, your, in their eye. It's tiny, tiny. But it looks a lot like what started with you that then became this huge log that now you're trying to deal with so what do you do what do you do do you mind your business or do you love them and what is that balance between judging somebody and loving somebody it's a delicate balance But we're going to do three things before we stop on how to know the difference all right first remember what the bible says about love remember what the bible says about love a love passage that we've heard at like every wedding forever. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. That's from the letter to the Corinthians. If you love somebody, it looks like that. But if you compare yourself to them and, well, you come out on top every time, that's boasting. If you feel better about yourself because of what they're doing wrong, that's self-seeking. If you say things like, well, they did the same thing last week. I think they're just going to do it all over again. That's a record of wrongs. And if you get a little giddy talking about somebody else's sin, that is delighting in evil, right? That's not love. All right, second thing. Loving someone happens face to face, but judging can happen out of earshot. When you judge someone, you're most likely either going to do it in your own head or with other people. Sometimes judgment does happen and we talk directly to someone and you say the thing, the judgy thing, right to them and that is just as hurtful. But it is a good way to know you're judging someone if you have talked to everybody else but the person with the speck in their eye. If you've talked to everybody else about the problem but the person you are, quote, concerned about, then that's not love. Love always happens face to face. All right, one more. Judging someone else's sin makes you feel better about yourself. Loving someone in sin breaks your heart every time. Let's say you know somebody and they're struggling with a certain sin in their life. If you're judging them for it, you're going to say things like, I can't believe he would do something like that. And then you'll feel better because it makes you feel more righteous. Or you might say something like, I've done that, but I was never that bad, right? I never went that far with it. I I sinned a little, but I didn't like sin like that. But let's say you have an issue with that same sin, and God's been working on you about it, and you're dealing with it, and then you look over, and someone you love is walking down that same path. If you will feel your heart begin to break for them, because you know how destructive it can be, because you've seen it in your own life. So when you reach out from that place of heartbreak and compassion and try to protect them from what you've been through, that's love, not judgment. Love is what we see with the woman caught in adultery in Jesus. Jesus sees the sin, but he doesn't condemn her. He offers her grace and then also tells her to do it differently. All right, one final note. Remember we said that Jesus is not only the only judge, but also the only Savior. So this loving other people when they're walking in sin too, it is, it's hard work. When you love someone who's dealing with their sin, sometimes you'll be able to help. Sometimes you'll be able to help. Sometimes you won't. Sometimes no matter what you try, they're going to walk that way. No matter what you say, they're not going to hear you. And it's important to remember that only Jesus saves people. You are called to love, but the rest is up to God. And it's hard because you would do anything to save them. If you could save them, you would, but sometimes you can't. And, folks, that's when we have to turn it over to God. You're not the Savior, and you are not the judge. You are called to love. And next week we'll talk just about what that cost for God to love us like that. Let's stop further for today. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you see us and boy, you see all of us. You see our sin and our brokenness. You see all the ways that we've missed the mark, all the ways that we judge other people and we are so guilty of our own sin. God, forgive us. Forgive us of the sin that we carry around. Forgive us of the way that we judge other people. Remove that log from our own eye. And then God, teach us to love others the way you've loved us. Help us to love people. Help us to help when we're called to do that. But God, keep us so cautious that we would never judge but only love. And that you'd show us just how to do that. Send us out as your people that we would follow you in obedience and faith. And that we'd be grateful every day for the grace that you've given us because we know just how much it cost.